All right. Present day Dalinar invites Tervangian to Yurthiru. Malata, we've talked about the Dustbringer that um, opens the gate from their side. Um, which, fun fact, as we're inviting some of these monarchs who are resisting Dalinar at the moment, they're either going to have to fly Kaladin to them to open their gate, or they're going to need to have a, a Knight's Radiant, who has their shard blade, by the way, which we've seen isn't necessarily a given, because Kaladin didn't have it until the end of last book, so they need a shard, they need a an alive shard blade to open their side of the gate, whether that's going to be Kaladin or somebody they already have. So they have a, um, they have a Dustbringer who's at least said their second oath. And she comes, we don't really get anything about her in this chapter besides a name drop and an order drop. And that's it. So, what were, you, what were you guys' thoughts on Malata before we talk about Dalinar himself and some of the Night Watcher stuff that he's remembering? My biggest thing is I've always just made the assumption that Dustbringers are like the evil order, kind uh, of. That, that they're the like troublemakers. The, yes, exactly. The ones who are just going to cause problems or not be good and heroic. I don't even know what I'm going off of that, like, realistically, but it's uh -huh. just always been that concept in my mind. Um, and the fact that we have a Dustbringer coming in with Teravangian is just, like, double negative. So, I don't have high hopes for Milada. I'm expecting her to be a foe. Okay. I'm, I'm really excited here, because Dustbringer is one of the, I don't know, three or four orders that we haven't seen anything, at least very, very, very little of yet. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to learn more about another of the orders since we've only, we're getting up there. We've seen maybe, you know, we know of like five or six different orders now, uh, folks from different orders at this point, but here's a new one. So excited there. Yeah, Paul, I, I don't remember where I can pin down some of my assumptions too, but I've gotten the impression that Dustbringers are the very, like destructive ones, like even the name itself, like Dustbringer, just makes you think of like edgy. They're gonna pound everything to to dust. I I could see that still being a a positive thing. Like they're just the really powerful warriors, and as long as you point them in the right direction, you can still accomplish good things with them. But yeah, I, I do agree that you know a Dustbringer in the hands of Teravangian, yeah, that can't be great. So we'll see where it we'll see where it goes. I I could, as you're as you're saying that, I just envisioned this epic battle scene of the old Knights Radiant, where the the Wind Runners are flying around and scouting, and then they're getting a they get in a bind, and then the Dustbringers are here. You know, like the the reinforcements have arrived. They the serious the serious warriors. Yep, as, as you said that. But anyway, talking about Teravangian, I wanted to bring back something that you said earlier, Paul. As far as we know, is what you said. Teravangian is having a not smart day here. And I want to keep, I want to peel back that a layer at a time here for a second because Teravangian is now at your theory. We're going to be seeing him a little bit more often now. And, or at least he's visiting and can visit back and forth. And it's now going to be up to the reader of 
as Teravangian is presenting himself to our heroes, what type of day Teravangian is going to have on any given chapter here? Of Teravi even if Teravangian is on a smart day, he's going to be pretending to be like this, you know, d dull witted person that everybody thinks he is. But roughly 50% of the time, he's going to be not that. So it's now going to be up to us as we're reading and going forward here and when we're seeing Teravangian, is he genuinely not involved in this conversation with his mind? Or is he actually here and mentally engaged and manipulating people while trying to be dumb, you know, like trying to act dumb? So that's going to be up to you guys as we're going forward here of, is Teravangian actually having a bad day or is he having a good day and specifically manipulating people? I'm glad you, you, you really mentioned that. And I thought about this a lot on this chapter. I'm going to go ahead and just say that I, I believe that Terry Engine is having a, a, a bad day. Like he, he yeah. is not intelligent at this time. Um, I'm saying that mostly because I think if he was faking this, he would have to be having a very intelligent day. So I'm kind of just going off of the odds of it would be an average dumb day or like a really smart day because maybe it was just how fluid the writing is from Brandon Sanderson in, in the audiobook. But it was just so smooth and I say so smooth, like how... <laughs> How like slow and like I don't know, genuinely like aloof Teravangian seemed, just with like questions and pointing things out, trying to be helpful, and just very like it's it just felt extremely genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, if he was smart and he was being manipulative, then I I was manipulated. Like he did a great job. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna be keeping a close eye on Teravangian any day that we see him. I. Teravangian is such an interesting character now because there's so much work we have to do on the reader's side of figuring out what is going on with this character because he's such a complex character that we've learned about. It's really interesting. And I, I'm with you, Paul. I think that in this scene, Teravangian is having a dull day. And the reason, the reason I think that is there's a couple comments that he drops that because we know the flip side means something completely different to us than they do to Dalinar. And Dalinar just kind of takes it as, you know, oh, that silly old man. But there's the, the one I'm thinking of specifically is he, he makes some sort of comment of like, I remember if they're talking about the Tranquiline halls or he's, he's basically like, oh yeah, Dalinar, people like you and me, we don't get a, a happy ending because we're, our, our hands are so bloodstained. And Dalinar's like, oh man, something must've scarred, scarred this poor old man. Whereas we know exactly what Teravangian thinks he, he had the blood he has on his hands. And so that strikes me as a, the dull version of Teravangian saying things he really shouldn't. Whereas the yeah. wise Teravangian that that's a bit kind of overplaying it. I think if he's trying to, if he's going that far to sell the dullness, that's a bit of a stretch. So I right. think, I think this stupid to, to say it insensitive insensitively yeah i'm really glad you said that i didn't hadn't actually thought of it from that perspective but if he's you know double 
you know, double guessing his am I stupid, am I intelligent? Yeah. There's no reason to do that because nobody knows, so why would he make that slip? So yeah, I think you're right that this is a dull day. So Dalinar's remembering things. He remembers some of the he remembers some scenes of like the past and I guess he remembers uh seeing his wife, I think for the first time. Is that the scene we see where he sees I forgot her name, Evie. 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 Um he sees Evie for the first time. And also um I guess how he's always liked Navani and just stuff like that. Um yeah, he's definitely starting to remember more, and so that's kind of exciting. Um, I'm uh, honestly all that I have to say about it is I'm excited to see where that goes from here. I don't have anything like super profound, as if what I'm saying is very profound. Um, about about uh about this flashback, or or, or just seeing in Delinor's past and seeing what he remembers. I'm with Navani here that I'm now intrigued about the implications of the Night Watcher and her magic and how that all plays a part here because Bonnie talks about how she's done research and no other instance of can she find in all of history where the Night Watcher's magic wears off or is able to be reversed. Like people go on, you know, quests or spend their whole lives trying to undo their curses and they can't. And so why is, is Dalinar's supposed curse boon or whatever he got blessing here, why is it changing? And I can think of two reasons. I was going to bring up two reasons be... as well. I'm curious if they're the same. <laughs> I do want to hear yours as well. The, the two reasons I can think of is, is, one, they've misunderstood what the Night Watcher did to Dalinar. And his lack of memory here is not the night watcher or it's some confused version of like the night watcher intended this to happen um, for some reason. So basically they're, they're misunderstanding what happened or the night watcher is actually losing her power or something like that. Did some of our recent current events of the world, like kill the night watcher or weaken her power or something like that so that, her magic is like slowly wearing off. She's losing a grip on that. Uh, an easy way to test that would be if we could find another character that has a curse is there, you know, abilities changing from the night watcher. So <coughs> Tervangian, he's got one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Tervangian or lift, right. Would be two easy ones to, to yep. look at, but were, were those your two Trevor? Or do you have another one? One of them was the same. One of them is different. So my first one was going to be the same one that your first one was, is that there's a time limit on the curse that they didn't know about that on this one specifically, maybe the Night Watcher said in 10 years, you'll get your memories back and sure, you know, or, and then the second one would be somehow his tie with the storm father is interfering with it because in every other case that Navani would have, that would be a difference is that there's no Knights radiant that she's cross-referencing it with. 
So somehow his surge binding is maybe healing his memories. Could be the a case there. That would be that that would be a suggestion. That's a good point. And they talk about that. I guess I'd written that off because the Stormfather himself specifically says, I'm not, you know, doing this. This isn't me. But it could be his intentionally or unintentionally doing it. That right. that bond that he has there or the powers he has is yeah, maybe it's interfering with the spread magic of the night watcher that could be true okay so three three possibilities here i i wanted to uh sort of related to the night watcher and down all of that i wanted to mention here that we get a little bit of a uh, bit of information here that actually answers a little bit of a discussion that we had on our discord channel not too long ago uh, I guess it'll be probably uh, a month or a little bit more uh, long ago by the time this episode airs. But uh, we were asked a question by uh, one of our, our longtime listeners, Gazeboist. Shout out to a Gazeboist out there who asked Paul and I when we thought these events happened and when Dalinar went to see the Night Watcher, when Evie died. And we get a little bit of an answer to that, a little bit of one. And I think it's still consistent with what, you, Paul, you both, you and I were thinking. And the answer is that Dalinar kind of drops a mention of, as he's talking about his memories he's thinking of, he basically says, in the years after her death, leading up to where I was useless and a sodden drunk on the night that Adelard died. That statement tells me that there are multiple years in between the event of Evie's death and Gavilar's death. That doesn't answer the full question of like, where in there did Dalinar go visit the Night Watcher? Was it after Gavilar's death? Was it pre-Gavilar's death? Not sure there, but we've at least got a little bit of an offset between Evie's death and Gavilar's death, I think, based on what I'm kind of into on Dalinar's words here. So, partially answered. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm bit. glad you mentioned that. It's definitely like we we kind of have. It's like when you do a puzzle, and I feel like we've made our border. Yeah, <laughs> we're yep. starting to fill in the middle. We kind of know a general timeline of when things happened, but we don't know the 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 middle part. We don't have the whole picture of when Dalinar really went to the Night Watcher, but we know it's within this time frame, roughly, right? Um, very yeah. roughly. You know those videos of things getting crushed by a pressure, whatever those things are, and yeah. you watch them in reverse, and you're like trying to figure out what it is. At like, <laughs> as it's going back in slow motion, you're like trying to figure out what's what's been crushed. That's that's what's happening here. It's slowly forming uh, into a picture, and you're like trying to guess what it is before it's presented to you. Yep. Any more from 24 before talking about a very interesting chapter 25? I really want to talk about 25, so we should do it. I'm also, I'm very excited for 25. Either of you want to start. I, I will kick it off. Go for it, Paul. Um, So I think 25, at least in this book, has definitely been my favorite Shalon chapter, or maybe favorite chapter so far this book overall. Okay. Um. The reason why I say that is one, 
I think it was just a like an emotional Shalon chapter. There was a lot to unpack. It's not the same um, style or emotions being portrayed, but I almost think of it maybe in the way Trevor thinks about the Wander sale. I feel like it was like someone is painting a picture in the story that we kind of get to unpack and see a lot from that. And, and I'm referring to Shalon's story with the wall and her kind of using these puppets and portraying this story. Um, it's not like, I feel like the Wander sale was a little more whimsical and fun. This was a little less fun maybe. Oh yeah, um, definitely. But it, but I think it's um more true to Shalon's character and story. Um, I don't know, almost the concept of like, oh, the monster all along was me or like here where we are. This concept of like, oh, why is this wall here to protect us from what's out there? But discovering that no, it's to protect those out there from what's within, what's within these walls. Um, and stuff. And, and I thought that whole scene was just, it was just a really good scene. It, it was pretty impactful. Um, and then also, we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and then our our mysterious figure, whatever you want to call him at the end. I want to go into that a lot more. But I want to see if you'll have more thoughts, I guess, about this recreation of the girl who looked up. Um, this little play that Shalon does. I, I too, thought it was really vivid imagery and a really exciting just listening to Shalon tell this story and listen to pattern like hear this story and pattern like get really engaged and excited in this lie in quotes that that Shalon is is telling was was really cool and really fun side note before we start to talk about our slimy blob crumbling man thing whatever it is I I noticed Paul did you way through the story, Shalon makes an interesting comment about the hair color of the character. She she mentions it, I think it's phrased like kind of like this way, where she realizes at one point that the character she's creating, her hair is white. And she's like, oh, was the character's hair always white? And I froze right there uh, coming out of Warbreaker. In that I was like, hang on a second. We know why and when and where people's hair color changes. And it's not even clear whether the character's hair actually did change at all. But I keyed into that as, a, ooh, maybe, perhaps, an interesting tie there with a character's hair color being important. Did, did you notice that, Paul? I did not catch on to that, but I'm very glad you mentioned it. Because... That plays in perfectly to Shalon being in our story of Warbreaker, therefore ah. being Light Song. So clearly, there we have it, folks. No, I'm, Proof. I'm sorry. Um, I did not catch on to that, but that does raise some questions. Uh, I, I guess I've been skeptical to try and compare it to our other stories. W one thought I had was kind of just. Whenever you first mentioned it, his hair being white, I thought of Hoyd just in general because we've seen him have different, like black or white yep. hair. Mm -hmm. um, but that I is think, that is weird. Yeah, and, and I think I may be grasping 
grasping at straws here with this one because it's just it's again just a very offhand you know blink and you miss it kind of reference it's not even definitive that her hair did change color or that it was important at all but and i would not have even you know paused for a millisecond if we hadn't have read warbreak when we did but it you know when when hair color came up and I read it, you know, I was like, oh, ooh, you know, I'm kind of on the lookout for ways that we can tie the two stories and worlds together. And so this one just kind of stood out as a possibility. Now, I'll emphasize that it's a possibility because I really don't know. The one thing that I think that that it may actually tie in. This may be this is very like. Loberboard. Um, but my thought is just Brandon Sanderson can use ways of expression from these other stories as ways to kind of express in this story that you wouldn't get unless you read the other way. Like, because we see in Warbreaker that hair color kind of signifies your emotion. I don't remember exactly what white was, if it was like a lack of, or if it was calm, or if it was like a frightened, it was... It's like distraught and fear. Okay. It it may have just been a way to show us who have read Warbreaker the emotions of this character that Shalana has done. Maybe it's an in like a non a subconscious thing. That Shalon subconsciously portrays it as as such, and we know that because of Warbreaker. But that's not super significant, I guess. So that's not very exciting. Um but that is something I didn't I didn't catch on to that. Elia, so I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Tre- Trevor, of course, is going to tell us right now what the significance and importance and links are yes. between the two stories. So Thank I'll you give him advance, the mic. So moving on from that and <laughs> talking about our little shadow guy coming out of this story, you guys want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, Fine. I can pass this up. Um, so I I'm gonna go ahead and just hop right into this. I have I have a bit of a prediction. Um, so just kind of setting the scene here. So Shalon finishes her thing, which by the way she makes a lot of like illusions. She creates like a an audience for her play, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, and then as those vanish, she realized one of them was not an illusion, and and it's our Uzi man here who runs off. Um, and she chases for a while, which I, so, so basically I'm just going to fast forward, I guess, to my prediction. I think that this figure is one of our unmade. I think this is the, like, if you will, an inverse of a light weaver, what Shalon is. Okay. I think this is kind of the decrepit evil version of that. Because our our little slimy guy here basically goes and stabs Rock in the hand right where Vale stole stabbed another horn eater in the yep. hand previously. And then it also says that this creature is wearing like basically quote Vale's outfit. Yep. It's basically yep. like a weird copycat unsettling thing. It's very creepy imagery of like this funky looking guy with like spheres is in place of eyes and can i pause you right here real weird. quick mm-hmm. just just real quick there are some really really disturbing visuals that could come to mind in a visual adaptation 
of this this variant. oh yeah this uh, this creature anyway keep going like no i agree it's could, very unsettling you could go some crazy directions with this character yeah playing it, on it's screen. i i'm trying to think of anything that could kind of rival the creepiness and the only thing i can think of is our sleepless crumbling people just very like horror movie situation or the midnight essence too that that could get mm-hmm. that could get True, freaky that too. is pretty scary um yeah, this is this is very weird. It's like a weird morph that's like supposed to look like a, a human but doesn't, right? right? Uh, and that's why I think I, I'm making the the comparison here to kind of a twisted version of our Lightweaver Shalon here, who can present someone, and maybe this is just like the evil weird version of that, or this could literally be a sleepless. Because it doesn't say, like, go. he goes through, like, unnatural pathing, right? Like, goes through these bars that an actual solid person couldn't go through, right? Right. Um, so this could be literally, like, a summoned illusion by something greater still. I, I thought about that on that topic of, like, I don't know, whatever unmade light weaver there is. There's a lot of speculation, by the way. I'm assuming <laughs> that there is an exact opposite to a light weaver that's made this image right um or it could be one of these sleepless i'm not sure what elliot thinks but it's definitely something very big i think it's like it was very off-putting and very scary and startling yep i 100 percent agree this was this was creepy which I think I've now learned to expect creepy things to come in with Shalon's story. There is there's some 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 dark and unsettling things in in Words of Radiance that we that we read. This was another, you know, make you shiver a little bit when you hear the description of like, you know, body parts rearranging and this thing just like oozing through a gap in the wall. Two started to think I think I thought first of Mr. Kremling Man. And our our sleepless guy, and just that ability to like reshape their body, kind of on on will, and just like the creepiness, you know, grossness of that, seem to be kind of perhaps in line here. You know, maybe maybe this is another like different sleepless who's not using Kremlings, but he's using like ooze or some sort of you know liquidy type substance to form their their body mass, and so they can kind of you know, blob their way through this this tight crevice or whatever it is, but then kind of reshape themselves into a human figure when they're when they're done. But I actually like your thought on the sort of, you know, inverse of a light weaver idea. Cause my my question for all this honestly is why was this thing there? Why was this thing there watching Shalon do this? Was it like drawn to her massive use of stormlight or was it drawn to her abilities specifically did she accidentally create it by doing this big thing that she just did like yeah i'm I'm trying to figure out what this is by figuring out why it was there and i don't think i can answer that yet but your your theory points maybe that in in a direction at least i had not thought of shalon maybe accidentally creating this which is scary to think of because I could see it happening, especially with 
so we, we've kind of, I feel like we've seen a development of an unhealthy relationship between Shallan and Pattern, almost in the way that we had that with Kaladin and Syl. It's not the same relationship as Kaladin and Syl, but just like there's some misunderstandings going on, and maybe this is kind of Shallan going too far with her characters, as we've seen, as as her other like aliases. Maybe she's creating this in the the meantime somehow. It is Vale, like it's it's kind of a twisted vision of Vale. But I I, I don't story wise I don't know that that fits that well because I feel like we have enough villains. Rewind <laughs> to the way of kings when I said Shalon was our bigger villains, <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, I but that's something, something... I never thought of. Yeah, another factor in this, too, is something really strange that happens during the chase. So Shallan chases after this shadow, right? And she's running after it. It's, it's ahead of her, and she hits the dead end, right? She goes into this room, and it seems like a dead end. There's then a really bizarre paragraph that seems almost, like, out of place. It describes Shallan, like splitting into like a dozen different versions of herself it describes like all these different images of like possible like alternate reality shallans like there's veil there and there's radiant there and there's a bunch of other different versions of her and then you like blink and that's done and then she looks in down the shaft and there's the blob thing like what the heck was that whole like splitting images thing have to do with any of this it was weird it is i'm glad you brought that up i don't know what to make of that i definitely it, took it almost... it. i have a i have a question for you is shalon going crazy <laughs> that is not off the table <laughs> She is, but I do think this is a real thing. Like, I think she's okay. actually chasing this little blob guy. Okay. Um, But she, I mean, she's been going crazy for a while. I think she's been going crazy ever since Brightness Radiant came into the picture. Oh, she was crazy uh, long before that, Paul. <laughs> fair, but, like, that's whenever it was really, really, like, a like an active detriment. I feel like she had it, albeit whether this is... Un like this is unhealthy, but she had it kind of tucked under control, right? Um, and then that I feel like was whenever it really reared its ugly head and was just like a like a notable problem. There's a there's a couple problems with the Shalon like Shalon's going crazy theory because this thing has physical form, whether that like it's it's moving around, but it it does have physical matter because it physically hurts rock on on its right. way past and it and it makes like it dresses up as veil runs down the the dabs know, rock yeah. yeah stabs rock and then whatever disappears but it's not like shalon is creating all these illusions and then she can't dismiss the like as as she's dismissing this like audience that she's created for and like the girl who looked up this one doesn't dismiss and runs away it's like a peter pan type thing with the with your shadow so yeah <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Anyway. and it, another 
like this whole theory of maybe Shalon just accidentally created a monster in this moment, like a piece of the darkness of her, like, yeah, didn't dismiss and decided to become real and now is going and causing problems. Like that all seems to make sense until you bring in the whole like copycat murder or copycat violence aspect of it. That was going to be my second. That was going to be my second question as have we found our copycat murderer? Right. It it goes, it performs a copycat act of violence just in the same way or or in a similar way that, that Shalon did, but we've had these happen before. So this can't be the start of that. So is this, this thing, the thing that's going around and just, you know, mirroring acts of violence? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. Not, not, not like cool. really. Like I think it's, it's very exciting. Like not a, not a slide at the book, but just like I don't know. It's, it's so bizarre. I'm curious to find out what it is. It's definitely my biggest question right now. That and our void sprint. It's like I it's like I'm the mid- essence to... and our sleepless had a had a kid. Like <laughs> right. That's the big term getting because it's like a blob. I, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of wrestling with what Paul, what you and I were talking about earlier. We have so many d- different types of villains and bad guys for an umbrella term. I'm stuck trying to figure out: is this something new, or is this something we've seen before? Is this, you know, sleepless? Is this a spren? Is this something we've seen before? Or are we just in new territory here? Is this just something like this creature has been living in Urethiru for, you know, centuries? It, it's like, you know, Gollum in the pits of Urethiru, <laughs> just like, I once it. Oh, there's people. Now I can go and, you know, murder things. And like, I, I'm just confused. Like, what the heck is this thing? All right, I I feel like Brandon Sanderson is going to make me eat my words here, but I think there's no <laughs> way it can be a brand new thing. It's got to be. It's got to be correlated to. It's got to be related to something. I I. We talked about kind of like what are these evil things that may come with the the Everstorm, right? Potentially like Midnight Essence or other creatures. This could be some kind of shape-shifting creature that comes with that but like why is it here why not like i feel like there's too much ambiguity with it that i feel like this has to be more poignant so i'm gonna go with that it's one like a sleepless or something in that vein um or one of our unmade some way correlated to that uh, because at some point, I feel like we have to get around to dealing with these unmade, which we haven't really seen anything about other than a mention of them. So, and if it, if it, this backs up your theory at all, Paul, where you, we had a mention of the unmade like way back in the Way of Kings, and then we haven't really brought them up until now when we've really been talking about them a lot more. And they've been bring been brought up more. So if that backs up your theory that we're finally going to meet one, there you go. Wait, did we hear about them in the Way of Kings? I don't remember that. There's nice. rereader value. That's all I'll say. I'm I'm sure there is. <laughs> I'm 
It's probably in the I prelude don't... or something. I don't know. <laughs> I. I'm not ready to make a, a theory, I think, yet on this, but just kind of, I guess, the number one what if in my mind is I'm trying to think through your theory was supposed to be like the headquarters of the Knights Radiant, right? It's supposed to be Noadon's capital, like this. In my mind, that means like the center of all goodness. This is supposed right. to be like the holy city of light and goodness. And here we have Mraze saying, Hey, there's a darkness here that uh, you want to go figure out what that is and, and cleanse it for us so we can use the city. And then here Shalon is encountering this clearly very dark, seemingly evil thing that perhaps is living here in, in Eurythiru. Like, why is that? How did Eurythiru go from holy city to empty and potentially infected with? whatever this thing is maybe there's more than one of them so i think i think it seems to line up that this could be like you're saying paul uh, maybe another sleepless maybe a sleepless came into your theory when it was empty and just started living there and now it's kind of a creepy place where this thing has just kind of been living this whole time or maybe even bigger than that did a sleepless like take over Eurythiru from the inside out and corrupt the Knights Radiant. And that was the source of the Knights giving up their vow. And that's the the source of the internal conflict that we got hints of in Words of Radiance, hints at, you know, was there something within the Knights Radiant that caused them to fall apart? Was it this thing? Like, can we go all the way to that level? But it does seem like this is maybe some sort of exterior evil source like a sleepless i think that's prominent idea in my mind but more i need more info to to try and decide what i think this is very true very true and on the 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 last thing i have to say about it is on the avenue of i think some of our villains need to start coming together like because there's (laughs) so many of them Mm. um i think this is probably a sleepless or at least i'm gonna make that assumption for now and I'm going to just go ahead and see that the sleepless are one of our, like, unmade categories. So that's kind of, like, a big a big deal, I guess. Okay. Because um, the, they could very well be the, the same thing. Like, so that would, I feel like that would, that would be a fair explanation, that the sleepless are we... unmade or whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like we should have prefaced this episode with you better go off and reach Edge Dancer before uh, you yeah. listen to talk about this. We would not be having any of this conversation if we hadn't had that uh, little side that's, jaunt there to that story, which is interesting. Very true. I didn't even that's think about true. that, but any of our viewers who didn't watch our Edge Dancer episodes and then suddenly we're coming out of Edge Dancer talking about <laughs> Mr. Crumbling Man like every episode. <laughs> They're just so True. confused. Make sure you watch the our Edge Dancer episodes. It'll it'll make you please. True. Also just I, I think this is me just now like paying attention to it. But the amount of times they refer to Kremlings in this book so far is probably been a hundred like references. Not actually, but like probably fifty plus. And I feel it's probably happened in the other books. I just never noted it before we met Mr. Crumbling Man and Edge Dancer. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and spoil that one for you. 
it is just as popular in the other two books as it was <laughs> okay. as this okay. book. I'm just now picking up on it, but every time yeah. they say Kremlin, I'm like, <laughs> the he's here. He's you. here. Yeah, it is. Like I hear it every time. Yeah. All right. There was. I have one more thing to bring up, but are we done with uh, with twenty fives or any more thoughts on twenty five before I go back to something that Elliot just said? My brain hurts enough if I'm ready to move on. Fair. All right, so I'm going to leave us with this with this thought here, and I promise I'm going to close the episode as soon as I ask this, and we're not going to go down a buddy trail. I will let you guys think about this, sleep on it for next for next episode. Maybe we can bring it back up. But Elliot, you mentioned something in your 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 trail there of saying that what if this was in your theory while the Knights Radiant were there and was pulling them apart from the inside out, that type of thing. And that led to what we know as the recreants and them giving up their, their shards and uh, abandoning their oaths. I just want you guys to think about the implication of the day of the recreants of what we know now about the Knights Radiant. Kaladin's sword is his spread. And Adolin's sword and every other shard blade are dead spread, correct? Sill doesn't like right. them. They are dead, dead spread. Mm -hmm. So the implications here are the Knights Radiant are unbonding they're spread. They're leaving their their swords in this like in the earth and walking away from not only their oaths but from their spren who they've had a bond with. It would be like Kaladin killing Sil and Shallan killing Pattern, as both of them have referenced so far, and how Kaladin almost killed Sil, or maybe he did, and she came back. Whatever, kill is kind of an interesting word to use there for something that's cognitive but um just just a thought there that the the knight's radiant that we saw on the day of recreants that dalinar seen in his visions who we might actually be re we might actually see that vision again because they're on a full they're on a normal rotation for dalinar um the implication there is that they are killing like actively killing their spread So I just wanted to uh, put that out there as a uh, as a closer for you. Do either of you have any thoughts before we close out this episode? No, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to have a really hard time with what you're about to say. Rest in peace, Bren. I, I am gonna have to stew on that for for a while because we've had a lot of big thoughts on this episode and I feel like my my brain is fried now Paul you've brought up a lot of theories I now have to think about and Trevor you're throwing more in the mix but the implications of to spread and how that plays into it I'm gonna be thinking on that for a while is your theory haunted with all the dead spread like is that the same? Ooh. spooky, like, spooky, haunted with something. spooky 
Ghost Spren. There you go. Ghost Spren. Bro broken Oath Spren. Uh, in the book Oathbringer. Okay, I'll just leave you with that one. Nice. <laughs> All right, we will close this episode. Okay. Been going a little late today, but that's okay. Um, episode 62 next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Peace. Thank you. <laughs>